Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 164 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And you sounded exactly like you did last week. And the week before. Uh, Barbara. (laughs) You never skip a beat. You sound the same. It's amazing. Very impressive. (laughs) Well, I think consistency is important. Absolutely. Even in our industry, consistency is important. So I want to make sure everybody knows what they're listening to and where they're at (laughs) in our episode list. 164. I'm proud of that number. Yeah. That's a lot of people we've talked to. I know. Trust me. It's a lot of time I've had to listen to you for an hour, but I really <laughs> love you, so it's fine. I love it. <laughs> so, Barb, it's June. Do you know what June is? <gasps> I think that's CDT Appreciation Month. Yeah. Well, I guess I should say it's almost June. Yeah. But here on the podcast, we like to celebrate it. I mean, let's be honest. We celebrate it every week. <laughs> But we want to give you, the listener, a chance to celebrate with us. So for the third year in a row, so this will be our third June, we are asking for people to send in audio clips of them thanking that special dental technician in their life. It can be a coworker, a relative, it can be a lab, it can be a vendor that calls on labs, it can be anybody in our industry. This is a great opportunity to give a shout out to those who you feel that deserve it. So it's super easy to do. You can record yourself on pretty much any smartphone or any computer, save it in a file, and just email it to us at info at voicesfromthebench.com. If you need a little help doing it, feel free to email that too or reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram and we'll be happy to help you record your love. Then, if we get enough of them, we will play them on all the episodes in the month of June to celebrate Dental Laboratory Technician and CDT Appreciation Month. So please, dig deep in your hearts and give a shout out to those special dental technicians. Jesus, I think you said love like five times. Well, I love this industry. I love dental technicians. And I want people to give their shout out and thanks to me. No, just <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. That's all I want. All right. It's just an ego booster. Come on. Okay. (laughs) So dig deep in your heart, everybody, and get a shout out. So this week, we have the CEO of a pretty large group of labs. Laura Kelly worked her way up through the positions of microdental. She's also a past president of the AACD, and she's owned her own lab, and now works with a global-reaching network of labs that have a rich history of excellence and quality. Laura talks about starting at the bottom and working to the top with the struggles and many accomplishments along the way. She does nothing micro. Mm -hmm. It's a great story of success and inspiration to hear. So join us as we chat with Laura Kelly. I love how you added that little micro in there. That was pretty impressive, partner. Yeah, you like that? Whitmix brings you one of the most exciting things on the market today. Dun, 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 the patient. Yes, it's true. The one missing component in any case that we do is the patient. And now you can change that. Whitmix introduces the Bellus 3D Pro Professional Face Scanning Solution. Say that five times. This new 
practical addition to Dental Lab technology provides us with a fast, easy, and affordable way to capture a 3D facial scan or smile design. With this app, you can easily capture a complete 3D facial scan in less than 30 seconds. Which is super fast. Collaborate with your dentist to create restorations using your CAD software. Show your patient their new look in advance. They accept it, you do the treatment plan, and you use the scan for the model and articulator alignment. You can now put a face to your digital workflow with the Bellus 3D Dental Pro. Learn more about this sought-after product at Whitmix.com. And be sure to catch the amazing Lee Culp presenting a Whitmix webinar entitled Bellus 3D Dental Pro, Creating the Virtual Patient. That's on June 9th. Visit Whitmix.com forward slash webinars for more information or to sign up. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We are super excited to welcome to the podcast today, Laura Kelly from Micro Dental Lab. Now, let me see if I got this straight. You're the CEO of Micro Dental, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I do have the privilege to serve as CEO of Modern and Micro Dental uh, USA, so North America and Canada. Modern and Micro. So I want to get into all of that. But first, I kind of want to learn how you ended up in this industry. Yeah, you know, like a lot of us, a lot of our colleagues that we speak to, I love it. I love hearing the story about how people get involved in dental because once you do, so many of us just get sucked in because you get addicted (laughs) to just everything about this industry that's so diverse and rewarding. And it's just really exciting. So for me, it was really by accident and micro dental in the uh, mid to late 80s was moving their you know very, very humble start at a small laboratory in a home actually in Oakland, California, was moving to a brand new large facility, which is sort of in between where I was going to school at night and where I lived in Pleasanton, California. So they were hiring and I had some friends that were working there and they said, you know, you should come here and, and see, you know, if this is a fit. And I said, well, what is it? And they said, we make tea. <laughs> I thought that was the most interesting job I had ever heard of. I didn't realize, I think like many of us and many patients and just people didn't realize that there was laboratories behind the scenes that were making dental restorations. So I started off as an entry-level technician and moved my way into the lab from opaquing to ceramics to running different departments and and, uh, finally up to vice president of sales and marketing. I had an 18-year run there at Microdental. So it was uh, really just an incredible education uh, during that time to be involved and supported in, you know, my career, my career path. But uh, it was just really exciting times, you know, in dentistry with the cosmetic revolution and dental bonding and all types of things that, uh, that were happening in dentistry at that time. Similar to now, it's different, but uh, just very exciting times. So then didn't you open your own laboratory? I did. So in, uh, in 1993, I became uh, an accredited ceramist. I achieved accreditation with the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, uh, like many of us, right, Barb? So, yeah, it's a big uh, deal. <laughs> yeah. So then after that, I, I really became involved in that particular academy, which I think over 50 committees I served on and just really wow. enjoyed that group. It was the at the time... Uh, the world's largest dental organization of cosmetic dentists. We had about, I think, about 7,500 members. Wow. 
Yeah. That People was that in- were accredited that many? No, 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 no. That's the entire membership, just general members and people in the process, mm-hmm. but worldwide largest cosmetic dental organization with accreditation was, was phenomenal being able to have that credential to pursue both technicians and dentists, which I thought was very interesting at the time to collaborate. We all know we do that behind the scenes, but to have an organization that supported, you know, that collaboration with, with achieving accreditation together was, uh, was very unique uh, of an experience for yeah. me. And, yeah. yeah, and then I, I actually was encouraged by a lot of the, the great pioneers in, in that organization to run for president. So I, I did, and I wasn't elected. And then the following year, I ran again. And so um, I was able to serve as president. So first technician and yeah. uh, first woman to serve as president mm-hmm. in 2007. And wow. uh yeah, that's huge too. It's amazing. So that was fun. That was a great platform, you know, for me to learn a lot. I had to really learn how to work with multiple boards, different organizations within dentistry. And so when I um, when I left that position in 2008, I opened up my own small dental laboratory. So when you were president of the AACD, that was a full-time job. I mean, you didn't do anything other than be president, right? You know, it ended up sort of being that way. Yeah, it sounds like it keeps it pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, I couldn't start the lab right until that was completed because I wanted to. I wanted to really dedicate as much time as I could to that. It was a very much a learning experience. I was traveling quite a bit. There was a lot going on at that time with promotion of cosmetic dentistry to the public. So I, I had the opportunity to go through some media training and do interviews with beauty magazines in New York and radio and and a little bit of television, um, just really trying to get the word out to the consumers that if you were looking for a cosmetic dentist, that the AAP was a really safe place to land, you know, and a lot about whitening. There was a lot about smile design. And so it was fun to be able to promote these dentists that were you know, really just committed to becoming experts at cosmetic dentistry and be able to help, you know, just create some awareness for that. So it was a, it was a lot of new, new activities for me away from, <laughs> away from the bench, right? Away sure. From yeah. I'm sure you learned all about management and all the nuances of organization. And I'm, I mean, with that many members, that's got to be a, quite a task. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some really great leaders. It's all volunteer leadership, you know, and there's some people that have some, what I always loved about the ACD and being involved with the boards is that you attracted people from different parts of our profession. So we had, there was seats dedicated, there still is seats dedicated on the board for a corporate member, right? So you'd have that perspective, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a dedicated laboratory technician seat, uh, and then a mix of accredited members and general members. And so we were able to get a lot of different opinions coming in um, from the industry and really work together with those ideas to, you know, determine what initiatives would be best for the AACD to pursue. Awesome. I didn't see it going in that direction, but I'm really glad it did because, you know, I've been involved as well and it is an amazing organization, still is. I remember you from back then and how amazing you were. You were one of my idols and still are. And I was like, God, that is so cool to be a technician and be a president of that organization. So uh, I just commend you for that. Thank you. I know you're accredited too, right? You're accredited, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations to that. And and, uh, 
Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, you do things and, and then you're not sure afterwards how, how things will be received. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. But, right. And I, I was so touched that I received so many uh, letters and thank you cards. And, and this is when people, you know, hand wrote. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> um, and emails and emails from dental technicians that I had never met, really, that they were just thanking me for pursuing this and elevating maybe the role of the technician when it comes to creating, you know, beautiful smiles and collaborating with the dentists. Uh, the dentists are very aware of that, but a lot of times the public isn't. And mm -hmm. oh, it was sure. nice to have that support from, you know, from the, the dental technician community. I, I really enjoyed it. And yeah. when you're there, you're, you're just leading and you're focused on on what it is that you're doing together as a group. And you don't think, well, I'm a technician, you're a dentist. You don't, you don't think about those yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. Work together. But I can tell you, it, it really, it humbled me and it made me feel very supported and, and, uh, and loved. I, I really liked those times were really good. It's exciting awesome. now. <laughs> yeah. Has there been other technician presidents since? Yes, there has. Yeah. Yep. Okay, good. Dwight. Just want to, yeah, I didn't know if you broke the mold or what. <laughs> she broke the mold all right let me tell you i think dwight correct oh yeah dwight yep. yeah okay yeah dwight was president and and then we've had some other um betsy bakeman is a, is a dentist but another woman and joyce bassett um, yep. been president yep. of ACD, so awesome yeah really great leaders a lot of support a lot of people for me to mentor it's just a great a great organization after your presidential run with the AACD, you decide to open up your own lab. Yeah, in 2008, that was a great year. Why didn't yeah. you go back? To, yeah, why didn't you go back to microdental? You know, um, at that time, it was it was um, I wanted to try something different, really. And microdental was still very large. You know, it was a large organization. Mm -hmm. it had gone different ownership at that time, and it felt like. You know, I wanted to try something new, but I wanted to stay within on the laboratory side. And I had actually some people had approached me to do a partnership with them. And so I said, you know what, let's give it a shot. And I, uh, <laughs> 2008 was a hard year, you know, for all oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, one of the scariest times, right? But yep. you, know, you just keep pushing forward and you have people that will help you. Dr. Jeff Morley, who was one of the uh, founders of the Academy uh, was teaching courses at UCLA. And I had the, um, you know, he said, look, I know you're just getting your lab started. Would you like to do the aesthetic continuum uh, with us? And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. You know, because you had, there was some instant revenue. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. It started off with like uh, four people and then we, we grew it to, I think there were 16 of us. And then that my lab actually became a part of uh, DSG. So it rolled into DSG and that was another great turning point for me because they had asked me to be a part of their executive team. So, hmm. you know, here I had gone from a really long period of time at Microdental for 18 years being just with one laboratory, even though we had 80 people. And when I left, we had over 700, you know, oh. so that's a growth experience out of one yeah. location. But, you know, then going to the AACD, which is completely different because you're working with more organizations and dentists and groups of people and boards, and then starting my own small lab, and then going into DSG, which had 41 locations. And I was overseeing their customer experience team. So putting together a network customer experience team 
and then also their university DSO and outside sales teams and worked a lot with operations and going into all of the different locations. So that was another very new and very rewarding experience for me because being out of one location is a very different mindset. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, the way that you collaborate with multiple locations is different and how you have to set things up uh, is, is a little bit different. So I did that for three years in that particular role. And then the CEO position of uh, Modern Micro Dental was available. And here we are. So I interviewed for that and the global CEO hired me. So I said, okay, <laughs> let's do this. Wow. Home to micro. Yeah. You don't do anything small, do you? I know. I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> so how has that changed your life? I mean, that's an amazing, super, super important position. What is it like? You know, it's, it's fine. It's a good question, Barb. I mean, you know, modern micro dental is, is owned by modern, but it's, uh, we have 6,000 employees worldwide. And we're in 20 different countries. It, it kind of feels like you're, you know, part of like this United Nations of, of dental or something. When I'll say. Before the pandemic, we got together, all of the CEOs from the different locations got together in uh, at the IDS. And just to be able to sit around the table and learn, you know, about your market, you know, what, what technologies are coming in a little quicker in some countries than others. Um, you can really learn a lot by sitting down and listening. And, and it was just very inspiring for me to see the success of this group. You know, Modern's been in dental for over 40 years. So they're very dedicated to the dental profession and to dental technicians and technology. So it felt something very new and exciting about it and worldwide, but also a very comforting for me to come back to microdental. And and there's technicians that were at microdental there and, and new new labs they had acquired, but people I had known. So there was a a, a strong comfort level, you know, with the people and uh, just really talented, dedicated group of professionals. Wow. So Modern is the company, is like a main company, and then they own Microdental. So that's kind of how the leadership is. So you have to deal directly with them from day to day, or is it sort of kind of like offsite a little bit? Well, you know, your financials are your scorecard, right? So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> every yep. time that's going, yeah. So uh, Godfrey is is the global CEO, and so okay. that gotcha. that would be who I would report to. But he's in Asia, so you know there is a distance. We connect regularly. He's a, he's a phenomenal man. He started off at the bench, so it's uh, you know he's got a very unique story. He would be a phenomenal person to interview as well. Hint, hint. So that's who I report to here. In the U.S., we have um, the way that it's split is we have modern centers and then we have the micro dental locations. So the modern dental labs, which we have 18 my, uh, oh. dental laboratories are all domestic manufacturing. You know, we have the micro dental brand. So we do centralized marketing and centralized customer experience. And we really support all of our labs from a marketing and iOS files, things like that behind the scenes. But each one of the laboratories fabricates everything there um, on site and and really does an excellent job interacting with, with their local client base and really great, great group of leaders that have been around for a long time and some new ones too. And then the modern centers, which there's six of those, those are all managed by CDTs and they do small repairs and shades and things like that on site, but all of their manufacturing is done globally. So we have, we have design in 
in Hong Kong and in Shenzhen and Dongguan. We also have design services in Madagascar. So there's a lot that we can do 24-7, right? You know, so when we're sleeping, <laughs> they're awake working on things. So it's a, it's a nice model to have those two different businesses managed here in the U.S. just to appeal to whatever, uh, you know, a dentist and how they would like to work. Yeah, I agree because I'm under the same sort of umbrella. So we get all of our designs done offsite as well. And uh-huh. I'll them all digitally and come in in the morning and everything's ready to roll. And I just really enjoy that business model for me personally, efficient. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had the opportunity um, before the pandemic, you know, we were all traveling, right, so much. But I had actually visited our manufacturing facilities in, in several locations. And we do a lot in Europe. You know, uh, Europe is, is the, the largest market share that, that Modern has. And, and oh. what was nice, visiting their facilities. Um, they have a brand new, beautiful building in, in Dongguan, China. And I had seen the way that they organized it. And it was a whole floor would be dedicated to Germany, right? Or wow. because they're like very dentally committed, you know, high dental IQ people who started all of this, they, they understand that dentists have preferences and there's different nuances uh, as well to have co- how countries like to, you know, have their work because of because where you go to school, right? How they learn yeah. to do things. I was really blown away by the removable capabilities and how just walking through and looking at, at everything that they were doing in Germany and, and the different countries, it was really inspiring and makes you feel really part of this worldwide, you know, uh, organization. So Germany gets a certain, what, style of removable denture compared to like another country? Yeah, I would say, yeah, they're framed. You know, the dentists want the, there's just different design. Interesting. Here, I would say our frames are a little bit more, you know, the clasps are a little bit more petite. You know, there's certain positions that, you know, the dentists really like these located. And I noticed there in Germany, there was a lot of elaborate design you know, a lot more structure to the design, you know, that they do. And then, you know, in other countries, they're not going to do uh, so much removable. They might be doing, you know, definitely more fixed, a lot of PFM, right? Mm, you know, yeah. Australia has got some some phenomenal cosmetic work as well. So it was really interesting being able to sit down and see, you know, all of the different types of styles that different countries might adopt. I remember, and, and I'm sure you do too, Barb, like, you know, back in the day, you used to see a lot of bevels, right? And you typically see long bevels. You could tell, oh, I think this is probably a clinician from the East Coast, you know, versus a clinician that maybe went to UOP or, you know, just whatever that university was teaching as far as prep designs and just different techniques. You could see that even here in the United States, right? Yeah. Usually we just see the difference of what they call stuff. Instead of a bridge, they call it a fixed partial denture, and it's still a bridge. You know, it's just about right, how right. they learned it that's in school. Good. Yeah. The terminology. You're right. The terminology. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'd like to know a little bit of the history of modern and microdental. When did it start and why did it start? Yeah. So Godfrey, I had, when I had the opportunity to sit down with him face to face, when he, he came out here to discuss with me whether or not this would be a, a good fit, he is in so many, like I said, they're in you know 20 different countries. So it was not unusual for him to look at the United States. They had started the modern centers uh, a few years prior. So the modern centers were here, but he really saw the micro dental brand and was amazed with the quality of what 
microdental stood for, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of large networks or a brand like microdental available to purchase, right? Like, you know, this wasn't something that was, uh, you know, by that large of a scale, right, of an operation. Right. Yeah. It just the timing was really right. So Modern uh, acquired the microdental network of laboratories in 2016. And then I came on in 2000 and uh, the beginning of 2019. So Microdental was already here. Oh, yeah. Owned by another company. How long has it been around? Oh, my gosh. Over 40 years. Long time. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I first began with Microdental in my career in the mid they came over, the two original owners, Andy and George Heights, came over from Hungary. Their father was a dentist and a medical doctor in Hungary. And they came from a family of dentists and medical physicians and artists. And so the two brothers, Andy and George, started the lab. Hmm. They built that up, right? To It was one location. They sold in around, I think it was around 2000. And then the rest is history. You know, it had several owners, private equity firms that came in, and then they acquired micro dental locations. Where was the first location? In uh, Dublin, well, the very, very first one was out of their laundry room in their home in uh, in Oakland. I believe that was in the early '60s. The the father started, it. and then the two the two sons, Andy and George. The first location was in Oakland, uh, California, wow. small house, and then they built the large one in Dublin. And um, that's the one that most people are familiar with, the ones in Dublin, California. We recently moved the location from Dublin to a brand new facility in Livermore, California. If anyone wants to come out and tour it, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's state of the art. That's corporate headquarters. It's close to where I live in Northern California. We've got a huge digital center. We've got our Mac Studio cosmetic teams that a lot of people are, are are familiar with it's the the higher the higher level of cosmetic work that we do and then we have just some wonderful implant classic teams we've got a, a removable team that's doing a ton of digital dentures now and have brought on some really great people to help lead you know this into the future and all of our ITs out of there we're um, it's it's a it's about the size of a football field it's very impressive and it's it's beautiful and wow. Uh, it's in a little bit in wine country in, in Livermore. So we, oh, you've sold bar. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. You have to tell me what kind of wine you guys like. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, people. Um, Pinot Noir. Just saying. Yeah. So yeah, I've got like- a question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, no, I do. No, no, no. I love Pinot. I actually went to Sonoma for my 50th birthday uh, a year ago and we just had a blast out there. And I did visit the micro facility probably five or six years ago and was amazed by that facility. So I'm sure this one's just 20 times as nice. So it's Oh, yeah. Just- and that one was beautiful, too. This one's really laid out for education, too. So we have three different conference rooms. Two are smaller where we were doing hands-on prior to the pandemic. We're looking forward to opening those back up. And then we have a large facility that holds about 100 theater and, and 50 mm. classes style and everything is just, it's turnkey. It's easy. So we actually, a lot of of our partners, strategic partners, different organizations, we just let people use it. Right. And they come in and and use the facility, but they love touring the lab and just seeing the way that it's laid out and going into the digital and uh, the digital departments are where people hang out. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you you mentioned the pandemic. So you mentioned the, you, are you sure? So you yes. mentioned the um, pandemic and, um, you know, that changed in you guys' life a little bit. So what is that like now? 
I know it's kind of getting a little better, but you said that you don't have people in the facility. You're not training. Do you guys think in six months or so that'll start up again for you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, more and more people are getting vaccinated. I think people are really looking forward to engaging, you know, face-to-face again. We all love Zoom. We, we do different things, but definitely people will need it. We may not have plans to do the same number, you know, of people in the room. So we'll, I, you know, we're used to, you know, dentists are used to dealing with different challenges, right? Throughout. So if for us, it's the same thing. We're used to being uh, health and safety, you know, is, is number one. So we've got all those protocols in place. We're just going to do it. And we're going to do it a little bit on a, on a smaller scale, but we definitely have people, we've got organizations that have already reserved um, for their sessions for uh, Q3 and Q4, late Q3, Q4 this year. That's great news. Yeah. I just want things to get back to normal in some sort of percentage. Yeah. Everybody does. Everybody does. Yeah. But, you know, we're really thankful to be a part of this, uh, of dentistry, right? I mean, it's what we do is really important. And we were able to, even when, you know, we had, you know, the shutdown that we had to really coordinate uh, and put together very quickly and then do the roll back up, we still were able to, you know, you felt like you were doing something, you know, you were a part of, of helping people, whether it was getting, you know, the PPE for people, whether or not it was fabricating some of the swabs, you know, for testing, being open just on a limited basis for essential services. I think it gave our team a really core purpose to stay engaged in the dental community and just really staying on the phones, talking to all of the different doctors and just letting them know that we're here for them and that uh, they're not alone. And, you know, what do you need? How can we help you? Um, We we were uh, engaged the entire time and, you know, we didn't plan for this in our business plan, right? We didn't (laughs) forgot to budget for it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, you're only as strong as your team and we have some really great leaders and just really just like dental is, is all full of really committed people. If you're in this, you really care about really working together and helping people get what they need. Heck yeah, agree. With a company like yours that's so amazingly global, how different was the pandemic to affect you? I mean, we talked to a lot of labs, but not many that have the global reach that yours does. Did it hit harder? Did it hit sooner? You know, what I would say was something that I noticed now, right? You have perspective after sure. there's time because, you know, you're just in it and you're going. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But what was nice is we had a little bit of advanced notice, right? We kind of saw what was coming because there was different parts of uh, the world that were being affected a little bit sooner than, than we were. So we had that opportunity to kind of prepare a little bit, right? And I think we also had that ability to lean on each other and to use, you could predict when you were going to kind of come out of it, right? When you can mm-hmm. sort of see things happening. I don't think anybody thought, you know, I, I know in the beginning, we all thought, okay, you know, we're going to close for two weeks and then go back to normal. But very soon, I think we all realized that there was no going back. It was going to be going yeah. forward. And how do we become stronger? What do we work on now so that we can be competitive and we can be better, right? And it did give you the opportunity to sort of get some of those things that you had been working on, but it's really hard to work on them, right? In the day to day, we were able to work on some things to make us a little bit more efficient, really on the technology side and uh, to be prepared. And I think just having that global perspective and being able to talk to colleagues worldwide made you feel supported and connected during a very difficult time. Yeah. I can only imagine what it was like having that global 
issue to deal with. You know, we were just dealing local. <laughs> right. But I mean, everybody's in the same boat, right? And yeah. Like, that's what we all knew. It's right? just all and scale. So yeah. Yeah. And it's a strong, strong company. You know, they've been at this for so long and they were actually committed to supporting our people, people first, health and safety first, and then uh, everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that you're very involved with digital ventures which is, you know, up and coming in our industry. But how do you do that on a scale as yours? Did you invest into one system? Did you try a couple different systems? How does that even get integrated in that size? Yeah, you know, so there's a lot of coordination between our IT, you know, department and our production side uh-huh. um, when it comes to digital. And so having that mindset of people looking for new ways to do things that are outside of dental, right? And then having that high dental IQ. So we've really merged, I would say, those two departments. So there's a lot of things network-wide you can do to um, manage iOS files. You can do a lot on on the client communication and just being very responsive, you know, networking that. But what we've done, we've just hired some real good firepower too, you know, in that department. Rob Cryer, who's had a history at Microdental too, he's an Avident. Yeah. And what I love about Rob is he's a technician who's been doing this for over 40 years with a really strong analog background. And we have a lot of people with strong analog that are also have never stopped learning and they're very interested in digital. So when you can take those two skill sets, you know, from a technician and train our teams, right, and train our departments, and then also look for ways to make things more convenient and more predictable, for the dentist is really what our mindset is. So we're really working on reducing the amount of appointments that a patient's going to have to come in to see, you know, the dentist to have a removable and then just working on some different workflows, you know, to make that happen. And then, you know, sometimes it's funny when, when you have a network, things are more of a challenge, but on another level that you can really scale some things through education, through the teaching that we do, through the webinars, uh, through the support. So we have two milling centers with our organization. One's located in Troy, Michigan, and then the other one is out of headquarters in Livermore. So we're kind of stocked there with different printers and, you know, we have R&D out of Livermore too. And uh, we collaborate with the other countries to find out, you know, what they're working on. And then we'll, we'll try some things here. But I think in the next couple of years, it's just going to, it's going to wrap. We've gone through a lot of change. Everybody knows. Mm. We're going to see more and more material change and, and different things that we'll be able to do on the printers. It's it's exciting. It really is. Yeah. All you had to say was Robert Cryer. I mean, that guy's like brilliant. So yeah, <laughs> he's one of the smartest guys I know. He's a great communicator. Yeah. What I've noticed with dentists and then technicians too, is a lot of times, you know, we can have a lot of knowledge, but how you communicate that and make it easy for people to understand is really, that's a game changer right there. You know, to take what took you 40 years to learn, but you can articulate that and really help people get there in a much quicker time than 40 years. I completely right? agree. I know a lot of brilliant technicians that couldn't explain it if it saved their lives just because they didn't have that ability. But if you find someone that does, you're right. Game change. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm lucky to have that. And we've got multiple people, you know, like Rob, you know, in the implants, mm-hmm. side, in the aesthetic side. And I love the passion that dental technicians have, 
you know, to what they've committed to do. And we have not been having the, the face-to-face in-person, you know, meetings as a team, but, you know, through Zoom and through just regular cadence and, and staying connected, I think people are looking forward to getting together again, but we still aren't doing that on a large scale. The only travel that we really have in the organization right now is when our teams are going in for chair-side assistance, mm. you know, and some of the hands-on courses and, and clinical courses, but we... Didn't really plan for that this year until late Q3. So we wanted to give ourselves a little bit of time. Yeah. So you guys do a lot of chair side help with your clients. We do. You don't really hear about that when it comes to large group organizations that you're still able to provide that personal help. Yeah. I mean, really, at the end of the day, there's a lot of benefits to being what I see as far far as dental laboratories to be a part of a large network. The dentist needs that personalized service. Oh, sure. Yeah. They need that interaction. They need that technical support at the lab level. And when we can help take off the, you know, the plate, we have all the meetings with the strategic partners. We put in, you know, everything to help make ordering product easy or file management easy. You know, you can imagine, you know, modern being as large as it is worldwide, you know, the pricing that we can get. So all of these things really help the lab at the local level, just focus on really just putting everything they can into making every single one of those cases the best they can and and working with the the doctor's chair side if that's their, you know, one of their their core competencies locally. Um, the dentists like that. You know, they they really need that intimate connection. Oh yeah. So I've got a question about your Mac team and that um, aesthetic center. So how do you find quality technicians out in California? Like if you're looking to hire somebody, where are you finding them? Are you bringing them into train? I mean, obviously that type of level, you know, you can't just have a two, three year technician walk in the door and be able to create that. Are you struggling at all with hiring is where you're at? Yeah. You know, Barbara, I think everybody is right now from the... All my friends in in the dental lab industry outside of, you know, our group too, you know, that's the talk, how you find ceramics, how you find, it's it's very difficult. And where are we going to get the next generation, you know, of of ceramics and the people that, that, and what's it going to look like, Mm -hmm. you know, what skill sets do you want to train? But Mac has been around for a long time. It started when I first was at uh, Microdental. It, st- it, it stood for Micro Advanced Cosmetics. We were getting inquiries for doctors to do things a little bit more specialized, and it wasn't it wasn't falling into sort of the bread and butter workflows that we had. So, and what the model that we have found that works the best is to take you know your more experienced ceramists and dental technicians, and then have an apprentice program underneath them. You know, mm-hmm. so. You're you're constantly sort of building people up through that mm-hmm. or, or, or becoming CDTs, you know, so they're getting involved with that. And then also the ACD, you know, and going through accreditation. So we really support that process as well. But a lot of our MAC technicians, they definitely are, you know, they've been doing this over, you know, 15, 20 years. That's a hundred percent what they focus on. Las Vegas Institute was something we were really heavily involved with. I remember. Yeah. I think you learn as a technician, you learn so much the more time you spend chair side, right? The more time you see your cases going into the mouth, you become better at what you do. Mm-hmm. I think from dentists when they tour our labs or they come in and they, you know, spend a half a day or just a couple of hours, they go back with a different perspective on how they might prep that tooth. And so we have always encouraged that it's, it's part of the MAC philosophy is to understand both sides of it a little bit more. And then just really concentrate on those advanced cases and get the education anywhere that that we can. 
we're part of a lot of the organizations, Seattle Study Club, uh, Spears, you know, everything, you know, a lot of these people have been involved with these organizations throughout the years and they just have a very good foundation of aesthetics. And then we bring people in too, to, to teach Mm -hmm. people how to continuously uh, get better at it, but it is going to be a challenge in the future. I think more and more labs are just going to have to, you're going to have to take people that are interested, you know, in becoming uh, that level of technician and then give them the support internally. Yeah. Train your own. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. What does your training look like at Microdental? Do you guys have like a centralized place where you send people when you get a new hire or is it like the classic throw them on a bench and over the shoulder type training? You know, it's, it's, um, <laughs> everything's changed too now, well, you yes, know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're in the, the, what we've been doing now is we, you know, we've had different trainers. We've had all different ways we've done this. So sending people around, right. And having mm-hmm. a training program on the road, you know, we did that a couple of years ago. So now things are really happening at each one of the lab levels, but we do have different training protocols that we've put together and then also able to reach out to, you know, our colleagues in different countries. They've got some phenomenal training that we're able to take, take advantage of. The onus comes on, on the particular lab. We give them all the support, you know, that we can from a corporate level. We have trainers, but they've been really working on it at the lab and each one of the labs individually. With the tools, though, and the support and the systems that we have. Sure. And you encourage employees to become CDTs? Oh, definitely. Yeah. We actually will support that for them. And also um, to pursue accreditation with the AACD. We want people to stay engaged, right, and continuously learn and improve. Uh, And I think it keeps people a part of your team. You know, if they're supported in their career and they're encouraged, I don't people typically leave because they get a dollar more an hour. I think they leave because they, they're not inspired. They don't, they don't see a career path. I think they, they like that support and we want to, we want to offer that to people. Yeah. I agree with that. If there's a certain point where if they don't feel that they can do more, they get burned out. Right. They stop caring, I guess. Has that division, you know, I know from my own experience, I was thinking after the country got rolling again in May, June of last year, that the aesthetic divisions would be the last to come back. But what I found here in our laboratory is that we are busier, (laughs) like diagnostics and full mouth cases. And I was thinking, I was thinking implants and aesthetics was going to be the last to come back because that's where all the fee for service is. But are are you seeing the same thing where that division is super busy? You know, it's so funny. I mean, a lot of we felt the same way, Barb. You know, we were sitting there thinking, oh, gosh, you know, what's going to happen with aesthetics? It's going to be need-based. I'm in pain. Yeah. I'll go to the dentist and that's, you know, yeah. that's what we're going to have. And we also thought that removable was going to come back a little bit quicker because maybe people would do more, more removable instead of implants, right? Mm. Yeah. Kind of a, a placeholder. We all had, you know, financial things we're trying to manage. Oh, yeah. So there was all these moving parts, but I think that's one of the things that was so exciting for us to see. And I know that, you know, all our friends in the industry that I speak to as well, cosmetics did come back with a, yeah. bang, with a lot of pent up <laughs> stuff out there. <laughs> Same thing with implants. And if, if anything, we saw a little bit of a lag in the removable. It's definitely picking up now, but I think that had more to do with that patient. The removable patient is typically a little bit older yeah. and they were not as comfortable going to the dentist office not being vaccinated. But now that we're seeing more vaccines and we're seeing that that's opening up, I think that we're going to see removable also increase. But we're really happy to see the cosmetics come back. And and like I said, each one of our MAC 
departments at our laboratories is busy with aesthetics. Fantastic. Good to hear. Good yeah. to hear. We've seen an explosion lately of fixed hybrids, which is a combination of both. Right. We've seen, yeah. a, we've been doing a lot of those. Yeah. And one of our facilities, we have two in New York. One is in the Rochester area as a microdental. And then we also have one in Long Island. The one in Rochester is right now, and we're converting that, really transitioning into a center of excellence for the, the large cases, the, the conversion cases, you know, the large zirconia um, and have some great talent, you know, in that region. So that'll be something that our teams can lean on too, you know, and it's exciting to do, to do new things. <laughs> yeah. You know, and expand, right? So what's next for Microdental? What are you guys working on coming out of this pandemic? Oh, gosh, what are we working on? I would say some of the key, definitely our key initiatives are all related really to aesthetics, you know, removable and implants. Those are sort of the key product uh, Mm -hmm. areas that was built behind. A few of the areas that we're really working on right now is digital support services and having our teams be very digitally competent in what the dentists are managing on their side. So once again, you know, the better we understand their world, the better support we think that we can uh, offer them from the laboratory perspective. So we're spending a lot of time working on our team's ability to digitally support and communicate and do this in a very timely way for the dentist. We want to be able to support them. You know, we can't be there on site. We want to make sure before they send that patient away after they've done an intraoral scan that they're confident that the scan is is what it needs to be. So we're spending a lot of time with that, uh, really building out our IT capabilities to expedite the workflow within our network. You know, the less time we can spend on the front end, you know, have our team spend on the front end and the back end and really have their time dedicated to you know, case consulting with the patient, with the doctors over the phone and spending the time that's really needed to make those cases uh, just really rock right out the door. Not on the die. I mean, like, you know, like happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like rock star rock. Um, that I think that's better time spent. Right. So we're, we're looking at ways to have our teams just be able to focus more in those areas, because that's really the area that the customer values. We need to case center cases. We need to build cases. We need people to do that. But really, our technicians need to really be focused on spending their time with clinicians and then also on the cases. Yeah, yeah, I know some labs, the technicians are spending too much time just organizing when they should be doing it. Right. Like bringing in intraoral scans. You got to go to 12 different websites to gather all the information. And that's time you should be spending making those restorations. Exactly. And, you know, our IT department you know, you don't have to have a dental IQ to figure that out, right? Those are the workflows and processes. So we're just trying to put people in the lane that they can really benefit um, the organization. And then once again, just much more, we're collecting a lot more data and really making our decisions based upon what we see, right? And Mm -hmm. from the customer's feedback to us, as well as what we're seeing internally. And we're really looking to make improvements before somebody tells us we need to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's great. Good luck. <laughs> so I see a lot of your ads, you know, with your beautiful smiles of your Mac team and everything. Do you guys have like any internal competitions on, you know, whose case you're going to choose or what doctor you're working with? I mean, really, really great marketing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Curious about that. 
Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've really noticed, and I'm so happy they stayed with this over the, you know, however many years it's been since uh, Microdental started, is they never show in any ad or any case. It's all cases that we've done. Yeah. You know, and it's no stock photography. It's just if you see a case, it's it's something that one of our technicians did, Mac or not. You know, they they uh, made the case, and and we always like to highlight the clinician because it is a teamwork, right? Sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's Dennis and the technician and then the patient. So we do have a a couple of contests that we do with organizations, but we have one with, it's kind of the Mac Studio, Mac Model Contest. We're going to be doing one for removable this year, which I'm I'm excited about that, to really focus on the aesthetic denture in that market. Um, But yeah, we do. We have a, a whole contest that we launch every year where we invite dentists to submit cases. And the story of the, of the patient is really important too, right? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. comes into it. it's, it's amazing to have them really share uh, what they went through and how long they've been thinking about, you know, making a change with their smile and, and then the impact that that made on their life. And we've got this, you know, kind of a year long submission and we ramp it up a little bit, but it's really great to see the submissions and see the stories. We've got a couple right now that are being, They'll be out in social media a little bit more, you know, a flight attendant where it made an amazing difference in, in her life. And then uh, also a, a young veteran who mm-hmm. had some, some challenges with bulimia and different things, and, and we were able to restore her mouth. But we get the patient a really, you know, the people who are selected, the patient gets a really great experience with this too. So we have stylists come in and we do really have a, a great experience for them. They feel really a part of sharing their story and it's uh Something that we're going to be expanding upon this year with different product lines, not just the aesthetics. I really like that because you you really get the emotional connection, the whole story. I think that's what makes us thrive. Yeah, yeah, it does. You're right. When you hear that, it it really, it brings it home. It, It really warms your heart. I mean, how many, I tell this to the teams all the time. Well, when I was flying around and visiting a lot of the different labs, now we just do it on Zoom, (laughs) but I tell them, you know, how many people can say, you know, what they do every day is unique and different. It's a human body part. It, you make people function and feel better. You know, you can change a look, something that's been bothering, you know, you, you can change that. Just the, the simplicity of having a molar with a contact, right, you know, in margins makes you not think about it. And you can, you know, get on with your your day, you're not always, you know, fiddling with something or something's not bothering you. And, and you guys get to do that every that so true. <laughs> it, yeah, you get to, it's really important. And, uh, you know, if you sit down as a technician, I did this with one of the technicians who's been there for like 25 years. And I said, okay, well, and he, and he predominantly does just finish grinding for us. Mm-hmm. So, and I said, how many of these do you do a day? You know, he kind of gave me the number and I said, okay, and there's, you know, 252 billion days in a year. Okay. Let's, let's time that. How many years you've been doing this? <laughs> it was like, you have like, there's 700,000 people walking around with something that you've made, you know, in their mouth and you're helping them just, you know, live life and not, you know, have to think about it and, and feel good. And so, you know, we have to think of it that way. It's not just, we're trying to hit a number at the end of the month or it's a pan with the piece of paper on it and a, and a due date, you know, these are, this is important. What we do is important and it, it's very rewarding to be a part of this uh, industry. It really is. Yeah. I'm feeling you. I'm over here on the other side of my computer, just smiling brightly because I, I, <laughs> I echo yeah. that. And I love that. That's, that's fantastic. Makes me feel happy. Sorry, Elvis. Yeah. No moment. 
No, you don't need to apologize. <laughs> Feel happy, Barb. It's it's all good. <laughs> it's Friday, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's Feel Happy Friday. So, Laura, here you are on our podcast, but you have a podcast. Oh, cool. The Smile Matters podcast. So what brought that around? Inspiration to buy us, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and I'd like to take that offline. Maybe we can can talk about that. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you know, it came from one of... So our marketing team is... Phenomenal. The marketing director, I hired him like 20 years ago. He's still there. So very much our brand protector. And and he's hired Mm -hmm. a team that's out of Livermore, does everything for the network. And when the pandemic hit, we went into, okay, engagement mode. How what do we, you know, we had to really split into sections what we were going to do to stay engaged with the field as as we were rebuilding some of our, our infrastructure to plan on when we reopened. So he's got a team that was very um, familiar with doing podcasts. One person in, in general had, had produced these before. And uh, in, in one of our sessions, our marketing sessions, our weekly cadence, it came up right away. Look, we need to engage with the dental community. How can we do that? And how can we help dentists that we were getting? We had a 24-hour answering service, our, our and our customer experience team taking calls on the weekends and at night. And people were, you know, dentists were, um, everybody was really concerned, right? And they had a lot of questions. Mm. And concerned about what the future would look like. And so we sat down and we said, let's do comeback strategies and let's just reach out and get dentists on the phone that have been through a lot of challenges, right, in their career. And let's see if we can just share the message on what we can share to the dental community of what they should be looking at. What are these people uh, who have been through a lot of different things, whether that was 9 11, whether it was AIDS, whether it was the recession, you know, different recessions, just things. Let's see what they're working on and let's share that. So I, I just got on the phone and started calling all of my friends really at the AACD. I got Larry Rosenthal. We just started like Guy Lewis, Winnicuda, a lot of the past presidents, the AACD, because these guys have been practicing, you know, 30, 40 years. So they've seen a lot and everybody said, yes, yes, yes. I want to help. Right. And I got some of the new leaders too, like Joyce Bassett and different people said, what are you working on? You know, what what are you doing? What are you focusing on right now? What should other people be looking at? So that's how it started. And it felt good to do something because, you you know, I think for all of us, we felt like we couldn't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) But at least you can share, right? For sure. So that's how it started. But it's really now it just keeps, it's continuing. And we're just trying to bring in, you know, different topics of interest, you know, whether it's marketing, whether or not it's digital right? iOS adoption, sleep, you know, whatever we're, we stay engaged with the community to see what it is they want to hear. And we're trying to share what other great leaders and great organizations are doing. And that's really, really our purpose is to help expose people to information in a very short, easy way, right? So most of them end up being about 20, you know, 25 minutes. So Uh it's something you listen to the car, you know, you can see a name of a a dentist that you might recognize, or even some of the younger dentists are really doing some phenomenal things when it comes to social media, you know, and showcasing their cases and how they've come out of the pandemic even stronger and had some really great years. And, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, I love dentistry. I love dentists and dental technicians, really our community. We we don't have a problem sharing. And, uh, no. <laughs> you know, we make it bigger for everybody, right? There's so much work out there that I feel like our competition is always ourselves. Yeah, oh, yeah. Last case you sent, 
you know, so just keep doing better yourself and everything works out. So it's going great. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. They, they seem to enjoy it. And well, when they came up with the idea, did you know you wanted to host it? No. Or did they have to talk you into it or? <laughs> yeah. They just said, you're doing this. This is what we'd like you to do. And I said, okay. <laughs> That's how that went. You're good. You're very natural. I've listened to a couple episodes. It's good stuff. But the flow, which to me is always important with a podcast, it's mm. good. It's it's good. Yeah. It's real nice. You have a great voice. Oh, thank you. Well, you. I mean, I didn't go to professional podcasting school. <laughs> if they exist, we didn't either. <laughs> well, I think you should give courses on it. I will take the course. And yeah. I feel you that when you start, you ask friends to be on yeah. it because we hit everybody exactly. we knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just really, yeah, it just came from wanting to share and have people feel connected and have hope for the future. And you know how it is. Even when you attended a lecture, like a full day lecture, a lot of it would be something that you're familiar with. But if you walked out of that room, you know, out of that course with a couple, you know, one or two things that you felt like you could implement, then it was definitely worth it. And yeah. uh, so that's what we were trying to, to accomplish with those. And that's awesome. Awesome. Well, it's an amazing story going from what you started in the model room to CEO. I actually didn't do model. I didn't oh. even, I. You skipped model. Opaking. Opaking. I was a driver. For <laughs> yep. Okay. That's where I started. That's awesome. I call that a mobile service provider. <laughs> <laughs> I know most people call you a driver of pickup and delivery. I would call that a customer experience mobile provider. <laughs> but so yeah, three months I did that. And then we were expanding, you know, what the lab was growing. And they said, do you want to opaque? And I said, sure. I didn't even know what that meant at the time and learned how to do that. Every I, I think one of the things I loved about growing up really at Microdental and under the owners that were very committed to dental technology was if you wanted to advance, you could, right? You had to bring it, you had to do the work, sure. but it was a great place to be to encourage to uh, to do good, good quality work and you would be supported. And so, yeah, opaquing was really the first. <laughs> my first. Yep, I loved too. it though. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> oh, I loved it too. They don't do yeah. that anymore, but it was awesome. Well, they do somewhere, but not here. Not right. in the lab. So one final question. Sure. After retirement, are you going to go back to being a driver? No. You know, if, if I get promoted <laughs> and they allow me to do that, I would, yeah, I would love it. Uh, <laughs> think retirement. Isn't that funny? I'm so happy no. with what I'm doing. I can't even think of what retirement could feel like. I know someday, right? They, everything, everything sort of goes in that direction. But right now I'm just enjoying working with everyone and uh, helping them be successful, that I want to continue to do that uh, with the teams and, and just with the profession, having a good well, time. Well, we're sure you're going to do amazing things between now and then, too. <laughs> well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you. It's it's uh, really been a great time with you guys and look forward to seeing you in person as well. Someday. Yes, too. <laughs> Someday. Yeah. Thanks so much, thank Laura. You. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. So a big thank you to Laura Kelly. You are one of my personal inspirations for coming on our podcast. We know how busy that you are, but it was really great to hear your story. 
Be sure to check out her podcast that talks to dentists and others in the industry about coming back after the pandemic. It's called the Smiles Matter Podcast. It can be found where most podcasts are found. So you might just learn something that you can pass on to your dentist. And remember to get your audio thanks to us for Dental Lab Technician Month, CDT Appreciation Month. Wow, that was hard. Send that to info at voicesfromthebench.com. It will be June before you know it. So get them into us. This is our third year. We super love doing this. So send them our way. Awesome. That's all we got for you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, I'm so excited to do this episode. All right, let's do it.